Welcome to Marketing Meanders with Sally and Sam. Today, Sally completes part two of her interview with Barry Clark from Dunedin Consultancy. And this is all about sales conferences, but many other topics as you'll discover. Today, Sally and Barry will be discussing how CRM systems and data reporting can be used more effectively between sales and marketing teams, and everyone else in the organisation for that matter. There'll be examples of cutting through organisational politics and culture, and also why it's so important to reflect on and reimagine reporting relationships. We hope you enjoy it very much. I'll stop talking now. Off we go. And talking about that cog in the chains, it's very important not because effectively the CEO, whoever they are, is another cog. They're not the leader, the ruler, the driver. They're just another cog. They might be a bigger cog, but they are effectively just another cog. And when we were talking about who should go to these sales conferences, that CEO really ought to be there and ought to be there possibly for the whole time, not just make a star (laughs) appearance at the big dinner at the end of the conference. You need them all to be, he he needs to see it all because then he might make sensible decisions as opposed to some of the decisions CEOs can make. Absolutely. You know, you've, <clears throat> you've just reminded me there, Sally, uh, a particular hotel company I used to work for. Um, it doesn't exist in the form of when I worked for it. <laughs> ten well or, done. Ten or more years. Yeah, I managed to destroy it. Yeah. <laughs> Some might say that was my claim to fame. Now, mm. fascinating thing here was there, there were so many contrasts within the organisation. Um, it was a UK-based hotel, well, an, an English-based UK-wide hotel company, which was owned by a Far East conglomerate so one of these big far eastern uh, multi-enterprises that have you know operations in a whole host of different um different industries yeah they had they had mining interests they did manufacturing they built ships you know all sorts of things and they'd acquired this uk-based hotel company so you had two hotels out in the far east and then when i joined them about 100 hotels in the uk Um, and i i worked for that company for about four years um, I never met the CEO once. I was a unit, a unit manager, used to go to sort of quarterly uh, operations meetings, the big annual conference, at least once a year, sometimes twice. And it, it, oh, it always made me think, now I'm, I'm showing my age here, of are you being served? Remember oh. when old Mr. Grace used to get wheeled out? And go, oh, you've done very well. Absolutely. But what used to happen was the opposite. So, you know, the, the rumour mill would go around, oh, he's coming today, he's coming this time. Um, and then usually it was the sales director. Occasionally it was the operations. Usually the sales director would then stand up and say, um, oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm very sorry, um, <clears throat> Mr. Smith, wasn't his name, but, you know, Mr. Smith can't be with us today, but he's sent a personal message for me to deliver, which usually then went along the lines of, you're all lazy Westerners. You bring, you bring disgrace on your families. You need to try harder. Now, I mean, on so many, it was just amusing. It was ridiculous. The, con- the, the contrast in cultures, um, you know, you've got all your key people together. And as the CEO, you can't be arsed to turn up and say, we need to do better, guys. Yeah. Now, I'm I sure try. In, in the Far Eastern culture, it would be accepted for a message to be passed down from the CEO to say, you're all, you'll need to do better. But imagine, you know, you're then turning around to a UK-based company um, and delivering the message of you're all bringing disgrace upon yourselves. 
Mm-hmm. You need to work harder. You need to try harder. But I can't be asked to come and spend time with you. It's going to have exactly the opposite effect, really. And you know, here I am, ten, twelve years later, relaying the story to you as yeah. the kind of the funny piece of ridicule that it actually was. Yeah, it's, it's the same reason why you shouldn't at these sales conferences. What often happens at these sales conferences is that all the reps are sitting on on chairs, staring at a screen. Think I know where you're going with this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And on the screen there are graphs of how badly you did last year. Look at these dreadful figures. We should have achieved this, and you only achieved this. That's graph one. Then you have graph two. These are the targets for next year, which are ten percent above what we ch- we set you last year that you didn't reach. And then there'll be some very, very complicated um, graphs and pie charts of audience structures and shapes. And, and by this time, you've lost the reps completely because they've probably gone into a coma. Yep. Yep. And then what happens is that you then shout at them and say, why aren't you reaching them? This isn't good enough. There's no conversation. It's a, it's a monologue, usually, from the, often for the finance t- team but of, and the sales directors. Well, then, so you've got, as you say, you've got to do better. And it's pointless, completely pointless. Utterly pointless. Yeah, there's a, <clears throat> there's a great example in the, in the business coaching world um, and of back in the, in the uh, 1990s, Ford Motor Company apparently was about an hour away from going bankrupt. Um, this is in the actually early 2000s. So in the, in the aftermath of 9-11, Ford Motor Company was about an hour away from going bankrupt. Um, all of the financial backers were ready to pull support. And <clears throat> it's the point where the Ford family had to give up direct wow. control of the business. Wow. So Henry Ford, the third or fourth, whichever, whichever generation it would have been, it was the point when they stepped back from the board and handed over um, the, the wow. day-to-day running of the business to, to somebody more equipped and more capable of doing it uh, and they, <clears throat> they brought in an individual from uh, General Electric and one of the first things he did he, he recognized that within the business Ford was dysfunctional that there was too much internal politics and nobody was speaking the truth nobody was prepared to put their hand up and say that's not an achievable target you know we, we just can't achieve that and here's the reasons why nobody felt safe to do that so what happened was that Apparently, and I've, I've read this in a few different, uh, few different sources, they recognised that they had to overcome this problem with internal politics. So all of the territory directors, the territory, I suppose, VPs, they would have been called in, in an American culture, they were summoned to Detroit once a week now to travel from wherever they were in the world to Detroit to attend a board meeting face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Um, so they'd all come in, the grumbling that oh, I've had to fly from... Sydney, I've had to come in from Beijing, I've had to come in from... This is an outrage. You know, this is an outrage. I've been in, a, I've been in my private jet for the last eight hours <laughs> to get here. And they all walked into the boardroom and there was one item on the agenda. One item on the agenda. And the question was asked, tell me, gentlemen, and I, I dare say it probably would have been gentlemen, um, what's wrong with our company? Wow. And the first time that happened, nobody answered. So the board meeting lasted for about five minutes. Oh, and then they all flew home again. Nobody would answer. So the meeting was closed and they were all sent home. Wow. 
24 hours later, memo came out, be back in Detroit, seven days time for the next board meeting. They all came back in as well. We were here last week. Well, this is a waste of time. I've got more important things to be doing. Sat around the board table and again, the same question was asked. Tell me what is wrong in our business. And apparently it took about five of these meetings before somebody was prepared to say, this is what I think is wrong. Wow. Because they were so fed up and irritated by all this travelling, but nobody would actually speak up and say, well, this is what I think the problem is. Gosh. And that's exactly what happens with sales reps. That's exactly what happens. Because they've come to this conference and they've seen all these graphs. And actually what they should do, what every sales conference should do, is split your sales teams up, not to their little friends and not cliquey, but split it up to unusual people, and get them to sit down and talk about what the problems are or how they can and can't reach targets and actually let them say our CRM systems rubbish or it would be great but I've never been trained on it and all those little niggles which stop something out to work very well on the on the ground mm. nobody ever attends to and the mm. big conference hall's too big for all that yeah yeah that's not the place to do it and when no. somebody's when somebody's bored because they've had death by PowerPoint for the last two and a half hours uh, and yeah. they're just wondering when the next coffee break's going to come. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a place at these kind of events. But you know what? I mean, I would say 20 minutes. Yep. 20 minutes most of state of the nation. Here's where we're at. Yep, let's give everybody a pat on the back because actually we did better than we thought. Or, okay, we need to accept some realities here. It's been a tough year. We didn't make targets. Guess what? That's the end of presentations. Now we're going to break out into, uh, into seminar groups. And there's one question on the agenda. What stopped us achieving our targets? Yep. Absolutely. And good facilitators in each room. And you might find that to make them actually make all that fat come out. So, you know, and you will find that that CRM that all the marketing team has been absolutely relying on to set all their campaign plans and dates 30% of the sales force never look at it because they don't like it. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. All these obvious don't, things sing out. Don't you find so often that, you know, somebody, somebody within the IT department or this can come back to finance often because systems will be plumped in with finance. Yep. Or the answer to that problem is we'll put a fan, fan dabby dozy new system in place. Yep. Great. But we won't support it. We won't train everybody. We won't actually ask the question, what do we need from this? We'll just put a system in there and that will be the answer. Yep. Um, CRMs can be fantastic. They can be wonderful sources of really valuable, powerful information. But it's the old adage, put rubbish in the front end. And yep, you, know you get worse out the back. You know what's going to come out the back end. And yeah. how often have you seen that scenario where the system is the answer, but actually the system just becomes a bigger problem? Yeah. And it's the real problem. And if you don't keep particularly reps, because they, they're out there on their own and they're probably doing it on their mobile phone often and they're wrestling with the system on their mobile phone and they will find shortcuts or they will just, if that little bit they can't work out how to do, oh, for God's sake, I'm just going to write it on a post-it note because I'm the only person that needs to know that <laughs> and stick it on my windscreen when I get in the car. So you'll probably find that they've got all this data that the marketing department are crying out for, but it's on, you know, doilies in the back of their car because they've scribbled it when they're having a coffee. Which then leads to the scenario that marketing are really stressed because they want the data coming in. 
sales team are getting harangued, you're not sending us the, the data. And what ends up happening, you know, every Friday, five hours of the working day is spent sitting on a laptop or as you say, sitting on a mobile phone trying to make it work yep. to just get it done. Yep. And it's what's the result? Sales haven't then been productive. They're sitting and filling in forms and crunching yeah. numbers, which, let's face it, probably isn't going to be highest in their skill set. Nope. It's certainly not going to be high in their priorities. Marketing's then getting frustrated because they're not getting the information and the data that they want. But they don't understand that actually they've created a huge headache for sales. Yep. Exactly. And it very much ends up with that scenario I often talk about of the tail wagging the dog. Or That's exactly right. And we've all been led to believe that because nobody will have asked us either marketing or sales reps actually what they want what you want from a crm what, what exactly how will it help you what they've done is they've gone out to the marketplace and gone oh this is the best one there is let's have that mm. and then they haven't done but we've now got the best one and the best one can be customized but that costs x oh no no we don't need that so it's just been shoved at reps. They've possibly had two hours training, yep. but you may as well not have given it to them, to be honest, because it's, and it's what's what it's almost often done is it undermines confidence because reps and their sales manager will now probably be able to look at what the reps doing all the time and mm. check the, le the figures. And so now the reps are all out there feeling judged and, oh God, I've got to put a good figure in here because I know my manager's going to look at it this evening and tell me off if it's not good oh. enough, et cetera, et cetera. So it doesn't create the atmosphere of shared information that it should. It represents people going, oh, God, it's, a, it's a big brother situation yep. often. Yep. Absolutely. And, you know, what I often used to find, and I still do find it in this day and age now, in today's world, with, in today's digital world, it's inexcusable. But how often do you then find that companies are making quite important decisions on historical data? Oh, yeah. It's not contemporary. It's not data that we've pulled from the market today. You know, I, I used to find myself, as a hotel, hotel manager, I used to find myself making decisions about what we're going to do today and tomorrow based upon figures that are maybe a month out of date. That's really interesting. Because if we take that amount of time for yeah. us to extract data from the hotel system, yes. port it back to head office, mm -hmm. head office would do all their thing with, you know, that they do. Yeah, month whatever end, that is. The infamous month end that we used to always have to be <laughs> ready for. And then I would find that about the 20th of the following month, I'd get a set of management accounts in. And let's be really honest. Once those management accounts were about 40 hours old, meaningless. Yep. Absolutely meaningless. Completely other things have happened now. Yeah. Yeah. Now yeah. I can I can kind of understand, you know, got I've been in the working world long enough. I go back to 20, 30 years ago. Um there were good reasons why it took that amount of time. Oh yeah, because the data wasn't the all there. No, the data wasn't all there and we didn't have the means of communication that we have in this day and age. But it's twenty twenty for heaven's sake. You know, we now live in a digital world. Um, you know, I, I was amazed with um, one of the, the last hotel companies that I worked for before I, I moved into consultancy. They were in the, the process of implementing um, company-wide uh, real-time management information system. Good. And the reality is, you know, that took them about four years from making their original commitment, right, this is the thing we need to do, let's go for it. But actually, it means we've got to have a top-to-bottom reorganization of the business. We've got to evaluate every process within the business and say, 
yeah. why are we doing that is it critical yeah um, that's really important the changing yeah. the processes around new systems are really important there's no good just bunging a new system in there and hope the system's going to flex what has to flex is all the processes around the system mm. and so you can't do it's, it takes a long time to put another system in because you have to change all the other processes yeah. and that's yeah. very often shoved under the carpet you know it'll be all right let's just bumble along and so it's basically you're wasting a lot of money on a fabulously expensive system which you're underusing because you haven't changed anything around it yeah and it's so important that you know you come back to that original question who should be attending the sales conference you know i would say all of the execs of that business all of the heads of business functions yeah. should be there because they all play part in that chain of events but how many organisations do we see where actually people don't feel safe and comfortable to put their hand up and say something that's going to be deemed as controversial? Yeah. Like, Sorry, I don't think this works or I don't understand what you're doing here. Help me understand. Um, and what you get is <laughs> the outcome that I've seen. Um, I mean, I, I, I know I, was, I shared this example with, with you a wee while ago, but I'm sure our, our audience will love it. Um, you know, the, the last hotel that I operated um, as a... Uh, member of the board and, and I had day-to-day -day responsibility for this business um, and you know when I, when, I, when I took it on back in 2013 it was a real headache there was some real cultural challenges within this business but very quickly realized that we had this as, as most hotels do we had the central um, sort of database based information system yep. uh, all the bookings all the accounting and um, all the finances went through this system and the funny thing was um, you'd go into the reporting function. You know, I, as the leader of the business, I wasn't really interested in the day-to-day, -day, you know, how do I check somebody in? How do I post a deposit yeah. in here? I want, it's the management reporting that's important to me. Yeah. And the very first day, I'm, I'm sitting there looking through the management, there was a system I wasn't familiar with, um, looking at the management reporting system. And every report had about three or four different options on it. And I'm like, okay. So I, need, I know what I know the information I want. I need to find the reports. And I, I, the look on your face is amazing just now, Sally. It really is. And the reality was that you know I, I got a simple thing like a, a daily revenue flash. So I want to know how much money did we take yesterday and how was it allocated. Not complicated. Not complicated. Well, you would think not complicated. I would, but I could get about six different versions of the same report. Oh, with different figures in them and everything. And every one of them had different figures. Good. Yeah. So, I mean, me being me, I, I went back to the uh, the people that supported this, the people that had written the, the the system, and asked the question, why why have I got six different versions of a revenue flash report? Well, because that's what people have asked us for. So, no, but hang on a minute. You know, th this is a standardised, you know, let me show you the British, you know, the British standard of hotel accounting. There should be one set of facts. One set of figures here. Oh, but you might want this instead. No. The, the revenue for the day is the revenue for the day. Some people might want it broken down in different ways. But yeah, and that's fine. Revenue for the day. Um, oh, nobody's ever asked us that before. Oops. So it transpired that depending upon what, I mean, this was the real exact, you know, people talk about there's numbers, statistics, and then damn lies. This was the perfect example of, yep. I don't like that set of figures, I'll just reconfigure it so it says something different. Yep. And, it, and I think reps struggle with that a lot, because often 
they they probably run their own figures actually they'll have their own figures sitting there on a spreadsheet and a laptop and they'll know what they're doing and they will have fed the figures into some strange system which they've never ever been introduced to and so possibly what they're working on and what the head office is working on are radically different mm. and you might find that when at, at this um, state of the nation state of the union speech at the front yep. you'll find reps sitting there thinking really that's not that nice. what the figures are it's not what my figures are <laughs> and unless you give reps the chance to say what well, i think doesn't match what you think yeah. you'll never find the hole absolutely absolutely and, and there are huge holes there usually and what it all comes down to is communication yep communication and it's, it's interesting you talked about you know the, the ceo being there and you know i've been in that position a number of times but especially that last business that I ran before moving into consultancy and, and the contrasts were huge. You know, I, I replaced an individual who very much saw themselves as, you know, I'm, I'm in charge. I'm the boss. I'm the most important person in this business. Um, and guess what? Nobody would tell him the truth. Nobody would communicate no. with him because he was the boss and he knew everything and he was in charge. So it was a huge radical change for the team in that business. When I came along and I wanted to have a chat. I would sit down and have a cup of coffee with them. And they couldn't, it took a while for, for things to, to land properly that, you know, there was 140, 150 people in that business. And you know what? When it came to the day-to-day operation, I was the least important person in that business. And the way that I used to demonstrate this was, you know, 30-acre country estate, 120-bedroom hotel, you know, all the rest of it. Right. Um, if I go away for two weeks holiday, what impact will that have on the business? And the answer should be, and the answer was, absolutely none. Yep. Absolutely. You know what? I could go away in two weeks holiday, and I bet some members of staff probably wouldn't even notice I wasn't there. And that's how it should be. That's how it should be. Yeah. By comparison, the person who's stripping the beds and cleaning and preparing the, the rooms for a hotel guests coming in, the person in the kitchen who's washing the dishes, you know, you take that person who's washing dishes in the kitchen for the restaurant out of the equation for 20 minutes, what happens? Exactly right. That's exactly right. The function probably right. yeah. it, it grinds to a halt. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's, and it's very important to celebrate those type of people. And that's why you need the people from the warehouse, the people who have come in stripping the beds at the sales conferences, because they are an integral part of the whole and you've got to make them feel celebrated. Yep. That's yep. one of the things that sales conferences should do. I mean, Absolutely. that's what, you know, wine at sales conferences is for. It may not always be very nice, but <laughs> it does make you feel that you're being celebrated. You're appreciated and being celebrated. And, you know, I've, I've always had the philosophy, you know, the, the traditional hierarchies with the, the managing director, whoever at the top of the, the group. No, no, no. I turn that 180 degrees. I turn it completely on its head. Because mm. actually, it's the people at the front end, as yep. you've described, it's, the pickers in the warehouse, the people who are packing the orders to go out. Yep. Um, you can have all the wonderful authors and marketing people and accountants. If you can't actually process the order that Fred in Slough wants that book and he wants yep. it gift wrapped and delivered in 48 hours because that's what you've promised him. If your pickers in the warehouse can't achieve that, you've failed. The business. Yeah, and it's not their fault. No. It's your fault, marketing and salespeople. Precisely. Precisely. And in that, you know, in, in that equation, the CEO, the managing director, whatever you want to call them, is the least important person yep. in that hierarchy. 
but they've got the power and the accountability and the responsibility to change it. Yeah, that's exactly right. And actually the picker, I mean, in a magical world, the picker should be able to, if they've tr struggled getting it fixed, because it's never going to work, they should be able to phone the CEO and say, God, we're really trying down here, but the, my manager won't listen to me and the sales director won't listen to us and the operations director's never here. Please yep. help us. Exactly. And the businesses that achieve that, you know, while well, they're the powerful ones. When I, yep. when I look at the transformation that we achieved in, in that particular business, 2013 to 14 to 2015, and it was the little things that made the difference. You know, how many times have we heard the boss? I'm always accessible. You know, I have an open door policy. Mm. Anybody that actually says that I've always found are the people who are not approachable, the ones who are not accessible. And um, their door certainly isn't open. Quite. You know, I never had to tell anybody that I had an open door policy because I literally did have an open door policy. Um, most of the working day, my office door would be open. But also one of the doors you were opening was other people's doors. So you were, I suspect, walking around and going into other people's offices through the door. Yeah, the most important thing I used to do on a daily basis, <laughs> walk the building and actually have a chat with the lady in accounts who was doing the, the income audit for the day before. Yep. Speak to the, the dishwasher down in the kitchen because you know what, actually, they're not happy and enjoying the work. I've got a serious problem. Yeah. Exactly. In 15 minutes time, there's no clean dishes for us to be, to be serving food on. And um, Doing that kind of thing is important because if, I bet if you went down there and there was a huge, there was, there was a constant bucket because there was a drip, but nobody had the courage to say, why don't we just fi fix this drip? That would solve a lot of problems, wouldn't it? I mean, that's a, I use that as a metaphor, but there are a lot of little drips that's caused a lot of problem because nobody's brave enough to say, can we have some gaffer tape? Exactly. And as a leader within any business, you know, that is the most important thing, genuinely making yourself accessible. Yeah. And it, it's those little gestures. The fact that I used to walk the, walk the floors on a daily basis, half an hour of my time, 45 minutes of my time, but, you know, to, to stop and spend five minutes chatting with a, an individual member of staff, yeah. it, it demystified, it took away the, the boss culture yeah. that I was a person, I was a human who took interest in what they yeah. were doing. Exactly, and that's, a that's exactly what you would do at the sales conference. You, the good managers, good senior managers, should be milling around in the sales conference all the time, popping in and out of seminar sessions, always being there at the coffee sessions and always being there at lunch and supper and not putting themselves on a top table. That was always fatal. No pedestals, no, no grandstanding. No. Could, you know, one of the biggest challenges that a leader in any business has is actually getting your team to come and be honest with you, to share the truth with you, because they're scared. They're scared of consequences. And so often, you know, I've worked in political with a small people, political organisations where you said the wrong thing, there were consequences. Oh, yeah. Um, and what a, you know, what a dreadful way to run a business, because oh. all that leads to is people not sharing the truth with you. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's like building a wall in front of yourself, so you're never, ever going to be able to see what's going on. Well, our, my, my former CEO who never turned up to sales conferences and who, who would, would send a memo, nobody would have dreamt of going to him and saying, you know what, we've got a problem and here's what I think the solution could be. Yeah. We wouldn't dream of it. Fatal, absolutely fatal. And that's why we have to hope now that now we've got COVID and so we're all functioning vi virtually and miles away from each other. I think it's really important for 
for businesses not to give up on the conference, not think, oh, well, it's now just too difficult, we can't do it, because I think people will lose a lot. Don't you agree that it's, it would just be such a big mistake to make? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, the, 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 technical, the technology now exists that we can, we can at least bring people together virtually. Now, it might seem an odd thing to say, but, you know, thank heavens COVID descended upon us now and not 10 or 20 years ago. Because we live in the digital world now that in most cases, people have been able to continue functioning in some respect. Um, If you can't get the 10, 100, the 1,000 people in your organisation all together under one roof, for heaven's sake, at least get them together in an event. Yep. At least get them together online. And, um, you know, one of the, I think, you know, really, really demonstrates this. One of the big battles that I've had in a number of businesses is getting that two-way and it has to be two-way communication happening within businesses. Mm. You know, the, the eternal battle that would always happen once or twice a year, it's appraisal time. Oh. You know, what is the point in doing the annual appraisals? And, you know, I, I, I remember having this negotiation with my team a number of years ago, and it was right, guys, you always grumble at me at the annual appraisal time. So I'll, you know, I'll meet you halfway here. What if I said you never had to do another annual appraisal? Oh, great, fantastic. That sounds brilliant, boss. And then somebody chipped up and went, yeah, and what's it going to cost us? Really simple. It's going to cost you 15 minutes with each of your members of staff once a week. Yep. You do 15-minute coffee chat, genuine one-to-one, spend a bit of time and show interest in each member of staff. You do that, you never have to do an annual appraisal ever again. Yep. And you'll solve problems, you'll have a training mechanism, you'll have all the things that appraisals are meant to do, but it'll be more transparent. Yeah. And what you learn in that 15-minute coffee chat, oh, I haven't got time to do that, boss. Oh, I can possibly do that. Right, okay, let's have a look at that in focus then. So you're telling me how many members of staff are you responsible for? Oh, 10. Right, so you're telling me that on a weekly basis you can't spend 15 minutes with each of 10 members of staff. I think we need to visit your priorities and have a look at how you plan your diary. Yeah, because actually your job is managing that stuff, those stuff. Yeah. Your job is to make sure that everyone that you're responsible for has all the tools, resources, skills that they need to do their job. Yeah. That is your primary focus. And it goes the other way. And if that, we also need to look at your jobs. If you're being asked to write 12 different reports every week, do we actually need those 12 reports? Does anyone ever read them? <laughs> we might find that they don't. You know, we've all been there having to fill in forms and we certainly have been. Nobody's read. And I once discovered, um, I, I shared the, the, the long version of the story with you once, Sally, the, mm-hmm. the very short version. I, I once discovered um, in a business that I had a manager, I had a department manager who was spending three days of the week processing data that nobody ever used. Nobody ever looked at. Nope. And heavens knows how they could do it. Yeah. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. you told it was really important. You know, the data that we extract from the from the database isn't right. It's not in the right order. So you need to you need to move it from there into an Excel spreadsheet. Well we all know about Excel spreadsheets. Oh we do now, don't we? (laughs) You gotta move it into an Excel spreadsheet and then you've got to move it all around. And of course the, the awkward one here came along and said, what do you actually do with it? 
What do you actually do with that data after you've spent three days processing it? Nothing was the answer. That's not the person's fault. No, she's been told to do that. She's been told to do it. And bear in mind, the culture in that business prior to myself was, you don't question, you do what you're told. Yep. I've I've written, as a marketing professional, I've written more marketing plans than I have digits. It's many more. And you know that they're expected to be of a certain thickness. And you just know that people might read the executive summary if you've bothered to do one. And then after the third page, they'll go absolutely no further. So often we spend, as professionals, we spend a lot of our time doing things that we've never asked if anyone's ever using them. I I can actually recall being briefed in almost virtually those words um, took on a new hotel many years ago. It was the same company with the CEO who never came to, <laughs> came to conferences. Took over my, my first appointment as a general manager for that company. And I remember my area manager saying to me after about a month, well, you know that uh, you know, the board will expect a, a progress report from you. Um, so, you know, th- these are, this is the areas you have to cover. But just so you know, whatever you write in the executive summary, that's the only bit that will get read. Yeah, yeah, I know. And really, every sales conference should will highlight all of these things if you're listening. Sales conferences are about listening more than they're about presenting and talking and saying, "Look at this graph, look at this picture." It's about listening to the response. So really, sales conferences are big, effectively meeting your mates in the pub and making sure you listen to what they say. It is. It is. You know, it's. It's something that I close most of my most of my training workshops with, actually, that, um, you know, one of the best pieces of advice I was ever given, Mother Nature blessed us with two ears and one mouth. Use them in that order. Yeah, that's a completely perfect way to probably finish this conversation, actually, because that was, that's exactly what we should be doing. And I think we've both got... Leaders. Yeah, as leaders in a business, ask the right questions in the first place and then let your people speak to you and listen to what they're telling you. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's, sales conferences are a perfect example of that. But as you say, that's exactly how you should be leading your business every single day. I certainly think so. And it's it's worked for me so far. Oh, Barry, that was absolutely brilliant. Thank you very, very much for joining me and for being so open and having such a good conversation. That was terrific. Um, We'll be putting this online. And we will, when we put it online, we will have all of Barry's, contact details there as well so you'll be able to contact Barry at Dunedin Consultation Limited if you want any help from him and we say thank you very much once again Barry for being so open and helpful and very very entertaining. Sally absolute pleasure thanks for the opportunity to join you. You're more than welcome. Thank you very much Barry and Sally for that very insightful meander today. We hope everyone enjoyed it, and if it sparked any thoughts or ideas, please do let us know. We can pass them on to Barry as well. So just contact us at MeandersPod on Twitter. Thank you very much. We'll be back soon. Take care, everyone. Bye for now.